Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we're redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sade Simone. I'm a mystic and artist, transformational speaker, author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. And I'm so excited you're here, and I'm so grateful that you're here. You special cookie, you delicious little cutie pie, you amazing little sugar plum. I love you. Listen. If you love this show, please rate, review, and subscribe, and stay in touch with me on all the social platforms. And if you haven't checked out my website yet, please head over there and check it out. Um, take a look. You might find some delicious things that might, you know, help you out. Sadisimon.com. And listen, my love, our guest today is a dear friend of mine, someone that I have been super intimidated by at the very beginning when we're like placed on a panel about white fragility in New York City years ago. I was like, oh my God, this is kind of like a legendary moment for me to be placed next to this icon. Um, and I was really intimidated and really like kind of like, I have nothing to offer to when you have someone like that on the, on the, on the panel. But little did I know that we're going to grow into becoming uh, really beautiful friends. Our, our relationship is so intimate and so deep and and it's really inspiring to be able to go on long walks with with her and just like share our, our our common pain and what's going on and the solutions that we are creating in the world and how we're co-creating these solutions together. Anyways, our guest today is Carrie Kelly. Carrie's a community organizer, wellness activist, and author of the book American Detox: The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. She's the founder of Citizen Well, a movement to democratize well-being for all. She's been teaching yoga for over 20 years and is known for making waves in the wellness industry by challenging norms and disrupting systems and mobilizing people to act. These are all the reasons why I adore her. Get into this episode and, you know, honey, just go ahead and bring out a pen and paper because there's a lot of delicious information enjoy, you know, like really f- open yourself up to the, to the fiery inspiration that we're co-creating this episode together. I love you very much. Take good care. Enjoy. All right, Carrie Kelly, welcome to the Spiritually Sassy Show. What an honor and a joy to have you. I'm so excited to be in this conversation and in this life with you. I mean, come on. What a, oh, what a party. You. Oh, thank you so much. And it's truly amazing to see like how far we've come as as like, oh, we spoke at a panel together. And I was like totally intimidated by you because you're just like 
you know, encyclopedia of knowing every single thing about every single thing. And I was like, how could I even be on a panel next to this bitch who like is literally knows about the ins and outs of like systemic oppression and the ins and outs about activism, the ins and outs about the inner world, the ins and outs about all this stuff. And I was like, I only know this little corner of the Buddhist path because what's worked for me. And I don't know how I got placed next to her on this panel. And then growing into being friends and sharing like really deep, juicy, intimate moments of, yeah. of my grief and my pain yeah. with you. So, so thank you for being a friend. Yeah. I, I mean, I love our story of how we met and I had the exact same experience of you, by the way, on that panel. And so I love that, like life, like threw us on a panel. I think it was about white privilege, if I mm-hmm. recall correctly, in New yep. York, when we both lived in New York. And now here we both are in LA many years later, having survived a pandemic and a racial uprising and many other things, grief, joy, you know, mm-hmm. um, books. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I feel like our path keeps evolving and unfolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really, really sweet to be able to like, reflect with you uh, really really sweet is so reductionist and so simplistic it's so deep and mm-hmm. juicy and meaningful for me to be able to like go on these long walks with you and just reflect on like the state of the world and reflect on the on the the, the pain and also the joy like we can navigate paradox yeah. and it's really beautiful to be able to go on long walks with somebody that can handle f- hours and long moments of of paradox because it's so hard like a lot of people either want to be in the deep grief and the deep end and be addicted to the drama or some people want to like only be in the joy and high state and and our conversation are always like this and this I love that so much. And I think you're right. And I, I also think there's like another binary of people are, are either want to be right or they think everything else is wrong. Right. Or they're like, tell me what to do, <laughs> you know, to be an ally or to show up or, you know, or how are we going to solve or fix all of these really complex problems? And what I love about you and, and I'm really calling this into my life right now is people who are not afraid of complexity or, or not afraid to complicate things because things are complicated and, and none of the accelerating crises we are facing, whether it's in, you know, out there, or I'm even just thinking like on a deep individual and personal level, like many of us are, are really in a transition. We're stirred. We're impacted by the world. We don't know where to go from here. I really just want to be around people. I want to be with people. I want to be like practicing with people who can hold the messiness of this moment. And it's so funny that you were like, I don't, I can't believe I'm sitting next to this girl who knows everything. I don't know anything. Like that's like the, that's this, that's the location from which I move in the world. I'm like, what the F is going on? And I know nothing. And the more I, you know, the more educated I become, the more I unlearn, right. And, and, and see the world right more clearly, the less I think I know. And so it's funny. I'm, I'm 40, I'm going to be 48. So I'm like, I'm now looking at like the second half of my life and, and I'm really clear and centered and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable now in the truth that like the more we know, the more we don't know. Mm, That's so deep. Oh my goodness. And you know, to me, it's a, it was like, it's, it's interesting to, you know, um, like, how can I say this? It's like some people just choose to like, not 
be informed about specific things. And I think it's like, I think it's the spiritual gnosis that you hold is not directly tied to your ability to be informed about the state of the world mm-hmm. and the systems that are at play, you know? So you 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 do this this fine dance of like knowing, being highly informed about, about the fucked up things that are happening in the world while realizing that approaching it from a place of, of, of being colonized and indoctrinated and, <laughs> and conditioned and habituated in capitalistic approach, it, it will never solve those problems. It will never lead to solutions. So it's learning things in these systems doesn't necessarily, learning things from these systems doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to solve them. So it's the unlearning of all this shit that allows you to say, I don't know shit, but you're you're actually, you know, like making massive change in the space. I think Did I make sense with this at all? A hundred percent. And I totally resonate with that. And, um, and the, and the contradiction in what you're saying, like we're back to paradoxes. And, and I just think one of the biggest myths were sold. Um, you know, I wrote a book about myths and I feel like one of the biggest myths we're sold and that we've bought into is this idea that, especially in the spiritual community, that the more spiritually enlightened you get, the more pure and perfect, and, and for me, it's been the opposite journey. Like the more like spiritual, um, I have become the more capacity, spiritual capacity that I have built, the more I have had to reckon and grapple with how compromised I am by the world, uh, how shaped, right. I am by culture and by systems of domination, um, and scarcity. And, and it's funny because there's this, um, this great book by um, Alexis Shotwell called Against Purity. And in it, she talked about how um, knowing that we are compromised, right? And that we were in many ways compromised at birth, right? We we were born into an, an already existing historical context. We were born into a hierarchy of bodies. We were born into a deeply unequal and unjust system. We were born into toxic capitalism, like understanding that we're, we're beginning from a place of having been compromised is actually like a really, um, like generative way of starting. It's like a really help, right. And then we can come to it with the beginner's mind and, and, and get curious about like, what do I need to unlearn unravel, unpack, right? Unwind, um, in my own body and in our collective body politic, that's going to help us move towards greater integrity and, Mm -hmm. and deeper connection, right? And, and maybe building a future, a different future that we all deserve. And so that Mm -hmm. reorientation, instead of what I used to do, which was like, I'm seeking perfection. I'm seeking purity. I'm seeking transcendence. Now I understand that the like higher path is to like, know and understand that we're operating from a place of having been compromised. And, and from that place, right? we can start to connect in a much more authentic and generative way. Mm, and I love the, I love the, I love the grace and also the, the patience that comes and the compassion that comes from saying we're starting from a compromised place. It is so different than, than anything else. I love these words that you brought into the mix because it, it really is like, 
we don't come into the world like, you know, how some people are like, it's a blank canvas. It's like easy, breezy, beautiful. It's like, no, honey, we come in here. The canvas is like torn the fucking apart and it's splashed with all kinds of shit. And then you got to wake up and realize like, wow, I'm carrying this generational, you know, uh, this generational pain of violence and abuse and for so long and it's living in my body. And like all of a sudden this shit didn't start with me, but it's my responsibility to take care of it. What the fuck did I sign up for? And, and, and I, and I love the, that not only we're, we're dealing with that, we're dealing with this like personal transgenerational family tree kind of weight. And also we're, we're then waking up in this like fucked up system. You know, and, and so let's dive into, into immediately into your book, American mm-hmm. Detox. And like, you know, cause I think the book, I think, no, the book does offer us, um, a really clear, it's a scientific view of how unwell the wellness community is mm-hmm. and how unwell the, um, the, the aspirations are and how mm-hmm. like unrealistic and, and, and it's literally like toxic capitalism now masked as spirituality. Totally. Right? So take it away. That's please. exactly it. Well, and it's funny because I often have to tell people, like, I wrote a book about wellness, but I really wrote a book about everything. <laughs> at least <laughs> at least within like the, the the US context, right? Because that was my lived experience. And so I was sort of writing from what I what I have experienced and, and what I have learned along the way. And there's a lot of personal commentary in there as well, because it felt really important for folks to know that I didn't, I'm not writing this book from a place of like having graduated into like, I know everything now I wrote the book from a place of like, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> like, you know? And I also shared a lot about some of the hard lessons that came through making really fucked up mistakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, um, and doing the wrong thing and getting, and getting hooked right? Getting hooked and addicted, right? To the promise of progress, to the promise of purity, to the promise of perfection. And so, yeah. So in my book, I sort of like share a story. My story begins on 9-11, which was sort of my spiritual and my political awakening. It was when I lost my stepdad, who was a fireman. And it was sort of the like big disruption um, in the sort of path of my life that uh, veered me in the direction of asking really hard questions about how we got here, about how we heal, about what's needed. And that's sort of the path that's, that's led me here. Um, but in, in the book, through my own experience, I sort of like unpack and unravel some of these like really toxic myths that we, that are deeply steeped in the context of wellness, but that are really just inherited from the broader context of like dominant American culture, um, myths, like what you just talked about, like how, how scarcity mindset is essential for keeping us caught up in the loop of capitalism, right? Um, that, that makes us buy into like this zero sum game that says for me to win, you must lose, right? This, this lie, right. Of capitalism that keeps us like hooked and addicted. Right. And, and, and it makes it feel impossible for us to get off the treadmill, quite frankly. Um, I explore, you know, the myth of perfectionism that keeps us striving and reaching and never feeling satisfied, never feeling like we are enough. Right. Which is complicated by being in a system and a, and a structure that actually isn't giving us what we need. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. That it's not giving us the healthcare that we need, the housing that we need, right? The economic security that we need, the care, right? The care that we need, the education that we need. Um, um, I talk about the, the myth of whiteness, whiteness not being like um, I say myth as in like race was constructed. Right. And a lot of us are hooked by the illusion, right. Of whiteness as something as superior, um, as like belonging when in fact, we know that that's not what it is and the ways in which we've been sort of shaped and, um, um, and manipulated, Mm. by that promise. And so anyway, so there's just lots of myths, but all of these are deeply um, situated, if you will, if not entrenched in a sort of broader culture of Western wellness, right? I say Western because much of what shapes wellness as we, modern wellness as we know it now originates, right? With like indigenous and and Southeast Asian practice, right? Um, But has been co-opted, colonized, capitalized, and commodified by the Western world. Much of what we know to be wellness now that makes up 4.4 or 4.4 trillion dollar industry bigger than pharma globally um, um, has very much been like divorced, (laughs) uncoupled from its origins, but also like whitewashed, um, exploited, right? By a lot of the compromised conditions that we are a part of. And so a lot of what I learned the hard way was to not to be suspicious of the promises of purity, to be suspicious of the promises of progress, to be suspicious of the promises um, of, of, um, you know, some of the, the, the spiritual principles that have been, um, I think, in many ways, um, uh, intentionally, right, if not misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mic drop. I mean, I'm like trying to keep up. There's so much juice here. I'm like, amen, glory, hallelujah. Listen, talk to me about the pro- about the promise of purity. Like unpack that for us because, you know, I think we have this idea that the more we, we practice these spiritual practice, the more we are purifying ourselves, the more we are arriving at this unstruck, uh, you know, heart, mind, mm-hmm. spirit, uncontrived love. And that sounds nice. And so I want to hear you speak about like, what is the promise of purity? Like un- unpack that. Cause I think from one side is what I'm saying from another side, I'm also hearing something like um, if you're not, if you don't fit into the mold of this, what we see as pure, then you are now um, uh, pathologized and you're now criminalized. And Mm -hmm. so therefore you don't belong. Therefore you don't have a seat at the table. And, and then for, for, for those people, not only you've been pathologized and I don't know if that's a word or criminalized, um, but you, and, and then, we also have all these systems that don't support us to um, to ever be well, to ever like have a glimpse of like I I'm okay I'm 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 a, you know like I'm fine I'm stable and like if I fall apart then I can pick myself back up you know like there's so many statistics of like you know people 
working full-time jobs and having like no money to be able to like pay for some, you know, I was hearing this yesterday. It was like, people are skipping meals to be able to totally. pay rent. And that's like the norm in a fucking America. Like what happened to us? So anyways, I went in a whole rent, but talk to me about, come back to me about the, about the myth of purity. Well, and I'll, I'll just say to that last point, you know, some of what I feel like I've had to grapple with is like, in the, like, what happened to America is a, is a question around, was the promise of the American dream real ever, right? Because if you look at the constitution, it was never written for all of us. It was written for land owning, able-bodied white men. You, you and I were not included or protected by the constitution. And so anyway, so when people are like, let's go back let's get back to our original intention. I'm like, what intention? Like I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that intention. In fact, right. I was inferior. I was objectified. I was, you know, um, so anyway, so like I have, so some of what I kind of pull up in American detox, right. Is some questions around like, what are, you know, what is this you know, what is this promise, right? That has kind of morphed into like a wellness um, myth and prescription for how to to thrive in the world. But what I'll say about this idea of purity, and I, I love all the things that you touched on is, um, I first want to say that like the idea of purity, right, has roots in, based on my research at least, in Christian supremacy, right? Puritan, uh, um, uh, purity as in innocence, purity as in without sin, Right. And that people were, and actually there's like lots of like the Puritan culture, which kind of ties to wellness was when actually thinness, right. Thin privilege, thin as ideal, as an ideal standard started to sort of make its way into our cultural um, conversation as like, uh, as not gluttonous, Mm. right? Pure, right? Thin, um, um, purity as deprivation, right? Comes from that root. Um, so anyway, so like there's some juicy origins, right? To this, even, even this idea of purity that I think is worth looking at that also connects by the way to wellness and some of the wellness ideals and standards that we've all bought into and that continue to be propped up, right? As like the ideal, the norm, And then I'm thinking, and you named this like purity as conformity, as like, as like buying into the ideal and then doing everything we can to look like the image that has the constructed, right. Um, um, image that has been sold to us, um, as the, the perfect, you know, um, pure, um, ideal of what it is to be well or to be healthy or to be American. So you can kind of apply that, that analysis to all of those things. Um, and then I think it's purity as transcendence, which we see a lot in spiritual practice, not that people are doing the practice to get real or to, to, to reckon with the truth of who we are, right. To, to go all the way into the shadow work, but the way in which in many ways, wellness is sold as a way to feel good in a world that does not feel good as a way to transcend, dissociate, rise above bypass, right. As a way to rise, rise above and even be superior to all the people that are suffering from the world. Like, I don't let that get to me. I'm superior. There was some interesting research that I came across when I was writing this book about how new age spirituality is tied to like, to narcissism 
and superiority complex that there's actually like research that says that folks who buy into a lot of spiritual practice or who are spiritual leaders or who tell other people spiritually how to be are, are, are suffering right from, um, uh, from narcissism and, and a superiority mm. complex. And, and then how we kind of buy into that by either like worshiping the guru, giving our power away to the guru, giving it right. Um, um, and not really like, like claiming for ourselves, our own ability to like, see clearly to heal ourselves, to like, um, to like, listen to our own wisdom, you know, in some ways, wellness invites us to disconnect from that within ourselves and to buy this book or follow this guru or go on this, you know, um, and you were talking about, you know, poverty a moment ago. And, you know, one of the things that I remember, you know, one of my first projects when I started citizen well was to work with the folks at fight for 15, which was a campaign um, uh, that started small but became a, a national campaign to raise the minimum wage to $15, right? The federal minimum wage is still $7.25 an hour. So if, you, if you're wondering why so many people in the U.S. live and suffer in poverty, that is why. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That is sick. That is, that is sick. why. While this CEOs, is me. this is getting me fucking. Uh, right? Oh well, my god! Meanwhile, like, CEOs of Exxon and you know McDonald's and Walmart, some of the you know some of the largest employers in the country, make bajillions of dollars even in a down market, right? Um, and so one of the interesting things as I was sort of like beginning to, to, to um, live into the project of Citizen Well, which was really all about democratizing wellness, is that as we were working in solidarity with um, fast food workers who were like basically just fighting for a dignified wage, for the right to unionize, right, for the conditions to feel safe in their job, um, that, you know, I think at first we went in... Um, with an assumption, and this is one of the messy mistakes that I made, with an assumption that um, if fast food workers who were like fighting to thrive had more meditation or access to wellness in their lives, right, that that would help them. And much of what we learned the hard way in that work was folks were like, I don't fucking have time to meditate. I can barely put dinner on the table for my family, right? And so I see now, even in wellness, often that sort of like white saviorism that assumes that if everybody, I hear this all the time still, if everybody just meditates, we're going to be, we're going to be okay. As if meditation can solve the problem of racism. It mm. can't. Mm. And so that's when I started to really get that wellness as practice. Isn't just meditating or drinking green juice or moving on your mat, right? It's getting political that to be well, we actually have to change the systemic and, and structural conditions that are designed to hold people back from thriving on purpose, according to this hierarchy of bodies that we've inherited, whether we like it or not that we are all a part of this. And that's what I mean by compromise. And I mean that with compassion, right? This is not about you're broken. It's a, it's, that's a different, that's a different word, right? That's a different orientation that you are broken and cannot be fixed. And it's also not about shame that you should feel like shit and you should think yourself less than or bad at the core. I think it's just about reckoning, right? With like, this is 
the world that we were born into. These are the, these are the conditions that we live in. Some of us live on the right side of the tracks and have more access to what we need to thrive. Most of us do not. And so what does that mean for us as, as wellness practitioners, right? Who I, I believe, right, are people who care about being well, who have a yearning, right, to thrive um, and to be connected and to be fully present and alive in the world. That is not an individual pursuit. It's a deeply political endeavor that does not exclude your personal practice, of course. It includes self-care, but it also minds the way in which the systems and structures and culture we are a part of are enormous systemic barriers that are in the way of our thriving. And by the way, of our collective survival, given the future that we're staring down right now. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when, I, when I got to that place in community, right, with other folks who were like, wait, what is, wait a minute, like none, none of us can truly be well when so many of us are suffering, when so many of us are deprived of and denied access to what they need to thrive on their terms. Therefore, being well is not, you know, is not what we're seeing in magazines and on Instagram feeds. It's a a deeply radical and political act because it means that we have to actually invest in the well-being of everyone. Mm -hmm. It's an honest life. Right, it's not a transcendental life. It's an honest life. I think it's a, it's a truth seeking, it's a truth speaking, it's a truth living, in and that isn't about. Um, I mean, you said so many things that I'm like. One thing that irks the fuck out of me is seeing people on social media saying, "If you just do these exact things, you're going to manifest the life of your dreams." And it is to me, when someone speaks about wellness and spirituality and healing without ever addressing systemic oppression, it is inadequate, it's hurtful, it's actually violent. It's gaslighting. Because you have, yeah, because you have somebody um, on the other end of that, the vast majority of people who don't have the cause and conditions, uh, the circumstances, the systems, the nothing that is in their favor for them to have the fucking time to look at their mind and to be with their feelings and to make these these changes that are like seemingly small but when your basic needs are not matched when you don't know how you're going to pay your phone bill when you don't know how you're going to pay your rent and have food at the table and like all things that like so many people in the wellness space are never addressing the deep pain that the world is in and what i have to say to that you are lying to yourself when totally. you can say that you're well when you're lying to yourself totally. when you say how are you fantastic i'm like i'm sorry so the wellness practice that you're doing are not are not actually doing the defrosting work they're not actually doing the unraveling work where we are meant to become hypersensitive sensitivity is a barometer of liberation if you're becoming free then you're feeling the pain of the world like it's your own that is what equates liberation now if you can walk down the streets and say fantastic how are you with your white wine and Tuesday at 4 p.m. when the world is falling apart around you and I'm not saying the world I'm not asking you to look into Lebanon or Ukraine or South Sudan or or whatever I'm not asking you to look into any I'm asking 
asking you to just look right here in your neighborhood, down the street, the neighbor across the street, next door, looking with both sides of the street, you're gonna see like it's right there. It's it's the 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 the, the suffering that we're seeing out there. It's literally right here with us. And so one one thing that irks me so much is when and is when we're people are preaching this ineffable goal of well-being and ineffable goal of, of 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 happiness without ever addressing these really sickening systems that people are the minimum wage is seven what dollars like it's unlivable it's impossible it's impossible it's impossible to it's live actually, right you'll never get out of that poverty cycle ever right and, and, it's and then what design. do we do right it's and by it's design and then what do we do with poverty we criminalize poverty that's right we criminalize poverty and we pathologize and then we put these people away and we say, not, not me. And then what do we do? I've, I'm trans, as you said, I'm just kind of like read or digest totally. my system. Something you said, and it's like, what, what, what's digesting for me too. It's like, oh my God, I never want to be around these people because they, they're, they're, you know, Debbie Downers, they're so negative and it's, it's, I, I don't want to go to these places. I don't want to face, I don't want to participate into that because it's going to bring me down. And then it opens the door for this like good vibes only stuff, which is so not the, the true genuine uh, liberatory path, you know? And, and essentially what I'm saying from what you said that I love so deeply is we cannot address wellness without addressing systemic oppression. We can never be well, truly deeply well in our beings until everyone is well, because the fact that we're deeply interdependent, interconnected, there's no way for us to call ourselves well when our neighbors are dying, when our neighbors can't pay the bills and we are happy to hoard the, the resources. We forget that we're like nature. When you feed water to a tree, the tree doesn't let me hoard some of this water. I don't only need this little much, you know, but let me let me hold on to the rest of this water because I might need it in, in a couple of years from now, you know, and it's like, let yeah, me, let me park look. it in Switzerland, you know, exactly. Let me park it. it in Switzerland. Yeah. Let me park it in Switzerland. Or let me park it in my fourth or third or even second home right. when so many of us don't even have our first home, <laughs> you know? And it's like, what is even going on? You know? So this hoarding is so, uh, and this hoarding is so sickening. And the last thing I want to say about this and I'm passing it on back to you, it's this idea that, that someone's capacity to manifest stuff and, and uh, accumulate stuff. It's, it's the way that you can equate how spiritually liberated they are. <laughs> Let me say this to you all right now. And you've heard me say this so many times that is in nowhere in any canonical scriptures, anywhere that's a genuine path that has factually produced liberated beings, you will never find anywhere anyone telling you to, to accumulate stuff because the more you can have of, of this reality of stuff means the more liberated you are. So F all of that, you know, there's research that shows that the wealthiest people in the world are the saddest, most miserable. And also there's research that shows that the poorest people in the world in the slums of Kolkata, in the slums of Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro are some of the happiest people. Like the, their brains have been scanned. Their neurochemistry has been observed. 
and it proves that they have more happy chemistry in them than the ones who have everything. So we got to unlearn all this shit. So that's American Detox for you. Carrie Kelly's book is helping you to decolonize your mind from this shit. You know, and I knew I was going to come in here. I should have worn something different because I'm hot right now. Oh my God, you make it hot, sis. So thank you. you. Know, yeah. This is like, mm-hmm. I need like a yeah. cigarette after sex type of conversation. That's right. Literally <laughs> shit, honey. <laughs> no, and I, I feel like, and I, I feel like I've learned this from your work too, that like when we start to examine our attachment to this stuff, um, even, our, you know, our attachment to feeling good or to being pure and perfect, our attachment to control and to power or to the membership, the false right membership um to to this sort of hierarchy right that is the 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 conditions that we live into but it's usually an indicator that something is missing in your life like that to me is a signal that people should look at as like something is actually not well in your system nor in our system and your attachment is actually not going to fill that void for you your attachment is not going to fill that void. Um, and I think, you know, there is a case to be made, um, like an analogy to the ways in which, um, we're attached to the comforts of modernity, right. To addiction, right. How, like, even today with all of the information I have, having written this book, having, I feel really fully committed in my life to building a different future, how even today I still get hooked, right. I get hooked by like wanting my Amazon package 24 hours later to like having a, you know, having a nice thing to, right. So I name that because I actually like, I don't think there, I don't necessarily think there's like a purity, right? Like we have to watch out for the, like the trap of purity, that there's a way to entirely transcend that which we are entrenched inside. So I say that to illuminate another contradiction that even as you get free, right? These attachments are going to keep, right, expressing themselves through your body, especially given that, like, we're being pushed drugs all the time by dominant culture, all the time. There's a great book called Hospicing Modernity by um, Vanessa Andriotti, and she talks a lot about this, right? A lot about how we all really, it's not enough to be like, let's change the world. We actually have to examine our attachments and our addictions and the way in which our neurobiology has been shaped by modern, you know, um, modernity and coloniality. And so having said all of that, what I want to share with people, you know, when I came out with this book, a lot of people were like, so clearly you hate wellness and, you know, you wrote this book because you were raging against the machine and you're like a wellness disruptor. And I was like, you know, I wrote this book because I'm actually yearning to be well. Because what got me on the path, right, after my life fucking fell apart on 9-11 was a deep desire to heal a deep desire to be well, right. Personally and collectively. And I got, and I found that in wellness and yoga and meditation. Right. And then realized as I, as I moved through that practice, that many of those practices in the Western sense, as they're sort of being sold to us are, are just more of the same. 
And so I wrote American Detox from a place of actually really wanting us to build a culture and a shared practice of wellness that le- that doesn't leave anyone behind and that understands that it's okay to yearn to be well, right? Um, to, to yearn to heal, to yearn to thrive. But these hyper-individualistic practices divorced, right, from the structural and cultural context that we are a part of are simply not going to get you there. And I do think that even people of of privilege, right, people with more proximity to access and to the nice houses and to the, you know, fancy areas of the world are starting to feel this, maybe not understand it conceptually, but I do think the pandemic, right, we felt on a visceral level Um, the cost, um, right, the implications of of climate change. I think climate change, right, we're starting to feel on all of our borders. I think um, inequality, right, if we look at inflation in the U.S. right now, like all of us are feeling inequality. And I want to say to be discerning that we're not all feeling it in the same way. So even while we're all starting to be impacted, right, by these accelerating crises, we are being impacted differently and disproportionately. And there are people who, to your point, are committed to hoarding, to protecting, to shoring up while the world collapses, (laughs) to shoring up their security and their place and their positionality, right? There are a bunch of us who are like, we're never going to survive this unless we fundamentally practice something different. Practice an understanding that we are interdependent and interconnected, right? That our future and our liberation and our well-being are intrinsically bound. And if we do not wake up to that knowing, we may not survive this mess. We don't need everybody. We just need enough of us <laughs> to like, mm-hmm. right. To like be mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. You know, and, and do the, the unpacking, the unlearning, the detoxing, the clearing that is necessary for us to practice something more authentic, more, more connected and interdependent, right. More compassionate, um, mm-hmm. of the, of the life that we live, but also the lives that we are, that we are, a, a, you know, a part of, and I don't just mean human lives. I mean, animal lives and plant lives and right. How do we live a life affirming life? And that reorientation is desperately needed in this moment. Tired of sleepwalking through life on autopilot and ready to step into a fully expressed, authentic, joyful life. Seeking a simple yet effective way to build a healthy spiritual routine that supports you on your own terms? The Awakening Membership makes resources to develop or deepen your spiritual practice portable, affordable, efficient, and fun. Join now for immediate access to Sa's most profound spiritual practices, including guided meditations, transformative coursework, insightful masterclasses, inspiring spiritual talks, monthly live Dharma workshops with Sa, weekly email inspiration, and more. The Awakening can be easily accessed on your desktop or our handy mobile app, so you'll always have the spiritual support you need when you need it. Ready to release your limiting beliefs, harmful mental conditioning, unhealthy habits, and those pesky personal demons once and for all? Join the awakening today via the link in the show notes. Use the code SSS for 10% off as an exclusive Spiritually Sassy Show discount.
And that reorientation is desperately needed in this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to emphasize, I mean, you've said so many beautiful things. I want to emphasize one thing. I think we are desperately wanting to feel well and be happy and healing. And I think it will be wise for people to start to uh, uh, decolonize and and deconstruct and, and build their own uh, version of that, you know, mm-hmm. and and in my view, uh, feeling well is feeling open, mm-hmm. and and being happy and at ease and 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 living a, a meaningful life is it, it comes down to like these few short sentences that I'm going to say to you to you right now, um, to the listener right now, and I I probably have already shared this with you, uh, Carrie. I was leaving Nepal. I, I had my eye, I had conjunctivitis. I had had seven panic attacks in, in, in like three weeks, which it hasn't happened in eight years, something so chronic like that. I had a torn ligament on my left foot. I was just like fucked, right? For me, for where that time in my life, and, and I'm in, in Nepal, right? I'm leaving a retreat center, I'm leaving a monastery. I know that my mom is dying at right. a deep sort of a, place in my body. I know that our connection, <laughs> physical connection is being severed. So my body is in a state of chaos. Uh, my spirit is freaking out because my mother sent him being my, the one who like ushered me into this world, the one that I chose to incarnate to do life together is now going to another realm. So all these layers are happening. I, I message my, my teacher, Venerable Sarah uh, Trashler, um, she is a British nun for like 40 years. She was one of the first white people to ever become a Tibetan Buddhist nun. And she comes to meet with us for, for breakfast. And she's like, I wasn't going to come because I'm tired and my body's frail. And But I knew I needed to bring you a message. Mm. And she says, remember this. Whatever comes, let it come. Whatever goes, let it go have no need for anything. Mm -hmm. Just be kind. Mm -hmm. Just be kind. Mm -hmm. Just be kind. And that has kind of become my, 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 um, my definition when I can allow things to come and go without fixation, without uh, personification, without seduction, without craving, clinging, attaching, becoming it. I know that I'm well mm-hmm. when I can, when I yes. can allow things to come and go in that way, when I can, um, have no desperate need, insatiable need for prime to deliver things. And, and you better believe I'm leaving in a few days, uh, to go on this long pilgrimage and you better believe I've been priming the fuck out of everything. And I'm expecting things to be here tomorrow. And then I'm noticing, I'm tracking my body. I'm bringing a somatic awareness to my body. I'm like, okay, bitch, you are insatiable craving. You are like a hungry ghost right now. Yeah. If you don't have these things, then you're lost and you've lost the plot. So that's when I'm like, okay, hungry ghost energy has kicked in. Hunger ghost consciousness has possessed my body. No, break all bonds, break all bonds. We are not doing that, you know? And then just be kind. Yeah. Right. And that's the other part. So be kind to myself, be kind to the world, be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So it's a really, um, it's a really profound thing when, when, when people really stop and and they can actually like make up their own understanding of what it means to be well, what it means to be healing. I think so many people out there, and don't get me wrong, like it, it, it's just it's so um, disorienting to see people complicating, um, overcomplicating something that's already very complicating, uh, you know. And 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 mm-hmm. sometimes we do have to like have multiple layers, multiple, we have to understand that there's so many perspectives happening at once that if we're just looking at one perspective, then we're simplifying things and we're being reductionistic Mm -hmm. and we're being materialistic. Mm -hmm. So when we speak about complicating what's already complicating, it's not that we're trying to make it worse and making the pain be more painful. We're trying to see things from a larger perspective. Mm -hmm. We're trying to understand things from many perspectives at the same time. And then we pause Mm-hmm. And then we take the first step, right? Mm-hmm. First step. So I just wanted to reflect that because I, I think a lot of people story. are like, what does this even mean? You know? I love that story so much. And you're making me think too about our relationship. And because I feel like folks are going to hear us, you and I be fired up. And listen, y'all, we're both fire signs and we get fired up. Okay. So like that. So like know this about us. And what I often have to share with people is that. One of the gifts of of this work, and by work, I mean the work of, you know, deconstructing, I love that you use that word, decolonizing what we understand, right, to be healing, what we understand to be wholeness, what we understand to be connection and community and thriving, one of the beautiful things about that is that, of course, that has come with grief and rage and discomfort and dissonance. And it's also come with relief. You know, in many ways, like when you and I have these conversations and we reflect back to each other that we're both uncomfortable and we're both struggling and we're both, you know, grieving what's happening in the world. I'm like, oh my God, thank God I am not alone in this. Mm -hmm. And I have had more profound joy and wonder and awe in this iteration of my wellness journey, my, in my, my journey towards, you know, um, collective and political well-being. I've had more fullness of experience, right? Of feeling, like feeling fully embodied, right? Feeling the whole experience of what it is to be alive in this moment. How auspicious, right? That this is the time that we were born into, right? This liminal time, this threshold, right? Between where we're coming from and where we're going. Um, And so I just want to share that too, because I feel like, and I know you know this part of it too, right? That like, yes, there's like a fierceness and a fire. And if you read my book, you'll like, you'll get like that in doses. Like I, I have like, you know, I have a deep yearning, but I also, I also have like a deep commitment, right. To figuring this out and, and to like living into a different way. 
And I also have like so much joy, so much like camaraderie and fellowship, so much more connection to myself and to others, right? So much more hope. I want to say that too. As much as I now see more clearly, you were talking about living honestly, the more I I live honestly, it's not like the more despair I feel. It's like actually the more hope. I feel like I resource hope from being fully in the world, from being fully Mm -hmm. in connection, right? With the reality of who we are and how we got here, right? And, and what we're navigating, right? That is how I source hope. And, and the hope that I I thought I had before I I chose to wake up and see clearly was manufactured, right? It was false promises. It was surface. It was artificial. It was like, it was like, you know, sweetener. And so like, I, I also just want to share that part of this work that I think often when we talk about detoxing and deconstructing and decolonializing ourselves and the systems and structures we're a part of, I think what people assume is that they're going to have to give something up, that there's going to be less. And what I want to say to folks is there's more. There's more. I don't mean like attached to that (laughs) and demand more, but I want to say that there's more fulfillment there's more joy and ecstasy. There's more discovery and beauty, right? There's more possibility and creativity and imagination when we choose to do that detox and that deconstructing, right? There's just more y'all. And, and that is the thing I have, I have come to know quite unexpectedly (laughs) along this path. And I have to remind myself of that when it gets hard and I, and I have to remind the people that I work with all the time, like, oh, wait, we, f- we keep forgetting. We think that this is about deprivation. No, it's not. It's about abundance. It's about possibility. It's about creativity. It's about moreness, right? More depth, more aliveness, right? More possibility. And so that feels like an important um, takeaway for folks who are, Massive. who are, who are desperately seeking, right? Like, I feel like we come to wellness because we're desperately seeking something, something that's missing from our lives, right? Something that's missing from our felt experience. And you're not going to get that from a green juice. You're going to get that from deep connection and truth telling mm-hmm. and living mm-hmm. into this moment, right. And reckoning. And, and, and so anyway, so that has been the great gift you know, of this journey for me that I, I didn't expect. And it's funny. It's some of the, I think it's like the last words of my book. And I didn't even know I was going to write those words until I wrote them. You know, I was going through the book and I was like, you know, shoveling and excavating and like falling apart and falling back together again. And my, my head was exploding. And then I got to the end of the book and I was like, oh my God, there's so much more. There's so mm-hmm. much more than I thought was possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that inspires me to keep going because mm-hmm. we deserve better. You know, all of us, not just some of us, all of us deserve mm-hmm. better. We deserve a different future. And if we, if we believe that truly, we have to be willing to practice something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so true. It's like, and, and I think, and I think, um, you know, you said to to not attach to like the moreness and to the fullness, but and I'm hearing that, and I'm like, and I'm also thinking like, 
you know, a, a lot of people could really use, could really experience the nectar of, of deep presence, the nectar of deep connection, the nectar of deep belly laughter, the nectar of a long walk, of a, of a long nap without being, you know, uh, restricted by this and that, you know, like there's so many, there's so many things that, um, our culture is restricting us from doing systems. And also we have to understand that the systems that are created out there have been poisoned. They have poisoned our own consciousness, Completely. same way that you look at the industrial prison complex and the way we equate restoration and, and, um, and, 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 you know, the idea that we can resolve or fix somebody from being bad to being good by punishing them. Like all of that is in you too. It's the way you treat yourself. It's the way you treat your body. It's Absolutely. the way you treat your partners. So as, as Carrie Kelly's saying that like, once you go through the American detox of wellness, once you detox your view of what it means to be well, or this, you know, the myth of perfectionism, the, the, all this, all the stuff that you so eloquent talk about in the book, you're going to realize that there is a, a, a whole new life yeah. that's there. And you're going to also realize something that I, I love them. My teacher, uh, uh, who I took the Bodhisattva vow with in 2018, Jetsuma Tenzin Palmo. She's a, a female, uh, a yogi, a, 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 a you know, women saint in the mm. Himalayas, and um, and she says enlightenment is as close to us as our eyelashes. We just can't see it. Mm-hmm. And why can't we see it? Because all the systems are mm-hmm. distracting us. Are are, 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 are exhausting us, are, are, you know, splitting us, dissociating us. It's like, and then we have the choice. Do we become the victim or do we just say, mm-hmm. okay, for this moment right now, I choose to dip into the part of me that is already a Buddha, that is already Christ-like, that is already Mary-like, that is already, um, you know, plug in your deity of choice, plug in your liberated being of choice there, that is already there without any need for anything. It's this, it's uncontrived. This is not circumstantial. It's always there. It's because you are there. It's there, you know? So we have to make the change out there and, and fight for it and be enthusiastic and be passionate and be fiery. And then for moments throughout the day, just go into that, that remembrance of like, it's as close to us as our eyelashes. I can't see it because all these systems have been created to keep me away from seeing it. Um, I love that. (sighs) I love that. I love that so much. And it's funny because in some ways I feel like I set out to write this book to politicize wellness, but by the end of the book, it actually pointed right back where I started. Right. Because if you understand dominant culture as the air that we're breathing, then you know that it's everywhere, whether you like it or not, you cannot escape it right? There is no escape. You, I don't care if you, you know, you might like dis, disavow and disown everything and move to an ashram on some like deserted island and the garbage would still wash up on shore, right? You can't escape, right? The, the conditions, right? Of modern culture. And that means that we are, we are breathing in that toxic air. So as much as this work to your, is about the external, right, and the, and the political, we have to equally be curious and be examining how am I replicating 
the outside world, right? How I loved what you were saying about eyelashes and it made me think about like the clouding of vision. How has dominant culture clouded my vision, right? So that I can't see myself clearly or the world, right? And so what is the internal and the inner work that I need to? So, so like, ironically, like the book pointed me right back to detox. And I was like, huh, like I used the word detox to be provocative and to be, to be you know, cheeky. Cause I was like, Oh, that's a popular world word, you know, in the dominant sphere. And so I'm going to use that and I'm going to reverse it. But ironically, <laughs> what I took away after that journey was like, Holy shit, like we have some detoxing to do. And I'm, and now I'm like super curious, you know, someone asked me today, like, when are you writing your next book? And I was like, Oh my God, I have enough work to do with this book. Right. Cause now I'm even more curious about the way dominant culture and, and logics, right? The logics of oppression, the logics of supremacy, the logics of scarcity, right? The logics of progress and purity and per- how those live in my tissues and in my bones. And what my probably forever practice is going to be of like continuing to excavate lovingly, right? That shaping, that conditioning so that I can keep exposing the whole of who I am, right? And continue to move back toward wholeness, toward connection with myself and, and the world around me. And so that is exactly like where my practice is at. You know, I didn't write this book and now I get to close the door on detox and move on to the next book. Now I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm being invited into a deeper layer of practice, a deeper, I would say, you know, more, even more radical inquiry into like what is alive in my tissues and in my bones all the time. And I think what makes this work really complicated is, you know, um, is, is that we're constantly working to decondition and to deconstruct and to detox, even while we're continuing to breathe in toxic air, right? So it's like, so even while we're getting free, we're being indoctrinated. Even while we're getting free, we're being indoctrinated, right? Because the world is still governed, right, by these um, you know, really harmful ideologies, whether, you know, despite what we whatever, you know, people who are like, I can just change my mind ish, but like your body is still shaped. Like you've still like the poison, you know, and, and the word clashes in the yoga practice, right. Translates to like poison, right. It's literally a poison in our bodies. And so what does it mean to be in a practice, right. Oriented to, um, mutual and collective liberation and well-being, right? They understand that those two things are not separate. And living into a practice every day with every breath, right? In every moment of, of being curious, of asking hard questions, of examining how we're shaping, of, of being ca- suspicious of the ways in which we might be replicating the very culture and system we're raging against, right? Because of how deeply entrenched we are in it. And so I say that, because that's become such a like accessible practice for me that I no longer have like the tinge of shame around it. You know, I think in the past I was like, icky, like dirty, you know? And now I'm like, right. I am compromised. And so now I can just be curious about it. Right. And I can meet my curiosity with compassion. Right. And know that like, I'm not alone in this inquiry. We are all breathing in this air. And so how can we just expose the air, right? Lift the veil, expose the air so that we actually have more skills and more capacity to navigate it. 
which points us right back to spiritual practice, right? That for me is the role of spiritual practice in this moment to help us see more clearly, right? To help us like lift the veil and remove the shields and the cloaks that have held us back from ourselves and from each other. And also to build the muscle and the, and the, the capacity the conditioning, right? Resma Menicum calls it reps. Like we need to do the reps so that we can build a capacity to actually hold the world in all of its awesomeness and fucked upness. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. This was like mic drop, honey. It's needed, right? To just like, like realize, I love what you said. That's like, we're, we're, we are, uh, we're cleansing and, and, you know, like we're releasing and taking it back in and it's just like ongoing in and out happening. And, and how do we do with more grace, you know, and how do we, how do we do spiritual practice? How do we focus on spiritual practice that are helping us to help others? I think that's a big point that you said over and over again that I love, which is also something that the, the, the listeners of the Spiritually Sassy show are very aware yeah. of of spirituality that leads to activism is the only true liberation uh one a spiritual path that is so intoxicated with feeling good and not addressing systemic oppression is not it's not it's not spirituality at all it's a it's a toxic capitalism veiled as as liberation right so so thank you for speaking to all this and what is the first step for someone who is like like literally i want to do this work i want the american detox i want to like not be bought into the myth of 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 all this stuff that you speak so beautifully about in the book like what is um, the first thing that they can do? I mean, I, I kind of work with like three things in this book because I find that this question can be overwhelming for people. And the, the bigness and the complexity of what we're facing is enough to actually cause people to shut down before they've even engaged. And so I tell people first to get curious and to start questioning everything that you think you know. That's a really good place to start. And it's also a place where you should stay. Like you heard us be like, we know nothing. The more we know, the less we know. And so start asking hard questions about what you think, you know, where did I learn this? Is this true? Right. Um, what am I attached to? Right. Or what am I hooked by? Right. Is that, is that helping me get free? Right. Um, so I think that's one thing is like, it's like sort of a practice of, of awareness, but it's really deep questioning and living into the questions. And the beautiful thing about asking questions is that they reveal more questions, right? The second thing I would say is, um, starting to challenge what, what is, you know, false or untrue or exploitive or, or, or like, or, you know, separating, right. Or pulling us apart from each other. That might look like disruption. That might look like detox, right. Doing our own sort of like detox. Um, it might look like a deconstruction, right. It might look like dismantling. Like you might start, like if you're in a space, an organization or an institution where you see toxic shit going down, like it might be an opportunity for you to step in and help folks see something differently, right? Or move towards something differently. And the last thing is just changing behavior. Like it's not enough for us to get aware and to see clearly and to be honest about where we are in the world. 
we have to shift what we practice and how we be together and, and what we are building towards. And, and that's the action piece. Right. But I want to say that there's like, there are pieces in front of that, that will keep you busy for a while. (laughs) Um, and so it's like, ask hard questions, right? Like challenge what you think, you know, and then shift, like start to transform your behavior, start to transform the spaces and the systems, the culture that you're a part of. You know, I, I'm a big organizer first and foremost. So like start to have hard conversations with your loved ones, with your peers, with the folks that you work with, with the people on mm-hmm. your block, you know, with your mm-hmm. students, with your teachers, maybe. And so like, I don't think you need to like, don't feel like you are the only one that is going to save us from ruin. I think that that's, you know, like, uh, the, the hero's journey gone, you know, sideways. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're all a part of this ecosystem. We all have a role to play and you can't move towards action unless you have done the personal reckoning yourself of locating yourself inside of this system, right. In where you are, uh, in proximity to power and to privilege. Um, and then actually moving from that place towards action, towards relationship, towards service. And there's like a lot more I can say about that, depending on like what issue you feel passionate about or, but no, they have to get the book. They have to get the book, honey, to like, yeah, they have to get the book. This is enough. Tools and resources in the book, right? So the book is really like an invitation to be in radical inquiry, an embodied inquiry, but it points you in the direction of organizations, podcasts, books, um, resources, right. Um, um, actions, practices, um, which is, sort of the next phase Mm -hmm. and they're all things that are helping you to literally release the veil and like see your part in the problem and see your part in the solution like how can you be part how can you be part of the solution and not part of the problem anymore with simple things and really really like uh sophisticated ways so I highly recommend everyone listening to click the link in the show notes and get the book. And remember, the success of a book is related and dictated by the reviews. So keep oh, writing yeah. reviews about about the book. Keep getting the book out there and buy this book for your book club. Yeah. You know, buy this book for your partner, for your friend, for your for your school, for your organization, and and read it together and and meet once a week to talk about the all the ways that you are locating yourself as part of the problem and how you're also locating yourself as part of the solution. And and just like navigating that that wave, you know, American Detox, the myth of wellness and how we can truly heal is available. Ever books are available. And, um, and just remember, buy a copy for you and for your friend and write a gorgeous review. Carrie Kelly, thank you for being on the show. What a fucking lit conversation. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Thank you for always firing me up. I can always rely on you for that. (laughs) Oh, thank you, my love. And everyone listening, I love you very much. And remember, we also need your support on to keep the momentum of the spiritually sassy show so please rate review and subscribe and stay in touch with me on socials and let me know um on a dm on tiktok or instagram i don't think you can dm me on tiktok but dm me on instagram and and or would love if you wrote a review about the show how this show like lit you up how it made you feel like sweaty that you had to take a shower after this episode because you got hot you know or whatever maybe you had to go walk on on the street and smoke a cigarette whatever it may be whatever may the fantasy be lived you know 
Uh, new episode every Tuesday. I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean, everyone. I'll see you soon. Thank you.